Hello and welcome back to the Life in Red Podcast, lifeinredpodcast.com, Life in Red Pod on Twitter and Life in Red Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to go follow, check us out, see more episodes. Um, my guest today, what a wild story. And I've covered lots of wild stories and, and just traumatic uh kind of events that have happened in people's lives. And it was so funny, as I recorded this today, um, I had this conversation with somebody about how it really just takes like a single moment, a single second that can literally change the trajectory of your life and like everything you once knew. And uh, that's exactly what happens with my guest. Uh, we talk about his story of um, being caught in a drive-by shooting uh, and everything that happened after. So we talk about the recovery, both physical and mental, uh, some time in the hospital, what it's like, what that event was like for him. Uh, and then we talk about this amazing organization that he started um, and, and how he's trying to help people with who went through traumatic uh, events and experienced trauma. So both physical and mental recovery. We talk about mindset, positivity, how he got through some of his dark and challenging times. Um, and it, it really is inspirational. And when you see somebody go through something like he did and come out to where they are now, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but it makes me just, uh, you know, one, it puts things into perspective for me, but makes me want to work like that much harder at some of the things I'm doing just to, to match that energy and to make sure I'm, I'm doing my best to help people like people like my guest uh, helps people. You can check out the organization. It's called hit the ground running. Um, it's H T G R Canada on Instagram. If you want to go check that out and see all the great things they are doing and donate and checking out some of their events, uh, just give it up for my guest. A, a true pleasure, a true, a uh, great chat, Brandon Peacock. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Shout out to a mutual friend here and longtime friend who gave me the name Big Red, uh, Alex Como, for kind of I'm not really putting me in touch, but making me familiar with uh, my guest, uh, Brandon, here's story and a uh, very unique story, I would say. So, Brandon, thank you so much for joining me and uh, being able and open to talking about it. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to, uh, you know, share my story. Yeah. And I mean, I think we should just jump right into it. Um, where does this story start? Because... <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know much from the before times. I don't know if you were a big mental health guy or advocate before it, but your very unique circumstance and uh, the incident which you are about to tell that happened to you that started everything, you know, it's something none of us think about. And I was just actually just having a conversation today with somebody about how a single moment, a single phone call can literally change the whole trajectory of everything about your life. Uh, and I think this really goes to it. So let's start right at the beginning here and uh, I'll let you tell the story the way you want it to be told. Sure, man. So I, I think maybe to to even hop before, uh, you know, the shooting or really anything happened, I, I know you were asking from a big mental health advocate before, 
Um, I, I think one thing that played really well into my recovery is my entire friend group. Uh, everyone's unbelievably supportive. You know, um, I've had friends go through mental health struggles. I've been through my own mental health struggles. I, I think it's something, especially in the growing age of social media and, you know, the virtual world that, that's really become more prevalent. Um, but, you know, I've been fortunate enough through my incident and before that to have an unbelievable support group around me, um, whether that's my friends, my family, everybody, um, you know, creating kind of an open platform for me to bring any issues I've ever had or for them to bring issues that they've had to me. So um, even before I get into my story, I, I think that's a, a huge shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they played such a critical role in, in you know, allowing me to respond so positively to, to what I went through. So um, in terms of the actual uniqueness of my stories, so uh, for those of you who are listening who, who don't really know, basically what happened is I was just going to my barber shop, uh, ergo why my hair is a little long now, um, about just over a year ago. And walking into the barber shop, um, I just happened to get in a ca- caught in the drive-by shooting. So basically, yeah, just walking right in, I, I guess there was a target who they were aiming at who happened to be outside the shop, um, who owned one of the neighboring businesses. And he saw everything kind of unfolding before I did. Obviously, I wasn't anticipating a, a drive-by shooting walking in to get my hair cut. Um, and, you know, I saw him run inside the door. Um, and I guess the owner's wife was holding the door. So I kind of like ushered her in and then got caught third man in line um, trying to get to safety, which resulted in me taking three bullets uh, out of the four. I think they got the target once. Um, I really, you know, I haven't followed up on the investigation as much as uh, I'm sure most people would in my circumstances. Um, but, you know, I happened to take one bullet in the chest, which at the the night of the shooting was by far my, my biggest personal concern, right? Like bullet to the chest, obviously your heart's right there, like on the side of my heart too, right? So your heart's there, your lungs, that's the scariest part when you're not overly informed in the actual like medical side of things. Um, and then I happened to take one bullet in my right leg and one in my left leg. The, the left leg was kind of like a non-factor. Um, the right leg hit me in the femoral artery though, which is like, I think I, I was talking to my doctors, I think literally the second worst sh- place you can get shot outside of like the jugular. So it's actually, you have a higher chance of survival getting shot like in the head than you do the femoral artery just cause your bleed out risk is so, so high. Right. Um, Granted, like if you get shot in the head, you're probably going to be, you know, like a vegetable. Like it's not going to be a good response for you, but your chance of survival is higher. Um, Where I got super lucky is there happened to be a cop literally getting a coffee or something across the street um, at the time of the shooting. And it was called in right away by a neighbor. So the cop rushed over like the second gunshots were fired, got there in like, like literally sprinted, like left his car at the Tim Hortons and sprinted across the street. Um, got a tourniquet on my leg in, I think, four minutes. And I was told that if it was four and a half minutes, I was probably dead. Um, so the 30 seconds uh, of that guy running literally saved my life. So very fortunate. I, I got rushed into surgery the night of. Uh, they actually cleared out like an entire floor in the hospital for me. Um, and I probably, I was right at the shift change. So it was like 5.45 that everything happened. So I had the day surgeons and the night surgeons all there, like, you know, prepping me and, and getting me uh, ready. For surgery and I, I know uh you know I, I was fortunate enough to to call my mom and kind of let her know about everything and what uh what they were told was I had a 50 50 chance of survival the night of and even less likelihood of keeping my leg 
Um, so obviously it was, uh, you know, it, it was what should have been a scary night for whatever reason I, I handled things really well. And in, in my mind, there was never really a doubt that I was going to be able to get back to, uh, you know, relatively good health. Um, maybe that's just that kind of like positive, uh, voice in my head. I have no idea. Um, but you know, I'm sure it was scary as hell for my parents. So it, yeah. uh, it, you know, it was, uh, it was a weird circumstance for sure, but I think in the same breath, it's something I'm unbelievably fortunate to have gone through uh, at this point, uh, you know, knowing how well I've managed to recover because it allows me an open platform to, to talk about my story, but also use it to, I think, address a lot of like more important issues. Right. Um, and and kind of like speak to people that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to speak to. So, um, you know, that, that's, uh, that's the brunt of it. I, I think there's a thousand more kind of microcosms that we could get into and, and talk about and I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of them but that's you know for everyone who's unfamiliar with me that's kind of like the overview of everything uh you know that happened the night of that led to me being on your podcast yeah. today with you um and I always I always feel weird that like these like super traumatic incidents that happen to people are like what brings me to like meeting them and chatting them but I think it's not unfamiliar from my circumstance right like the thing that changed yeah. my life was trying to take my own life and then telling people about it on social media. Right. And this, this, this event that surrounded my life and maybe the darkest, scariest moment, like led to this light of being able to change and, and be better and help people. And I, like that goes to you. And we're going to talk about hit the ground running and some of your recovery, but like, I mean, share with, uh, I know we talked before, but share with what you're comfortable, but I, the, especially in Canada, I know I have American listeners, but in Canada, like gun violence is so foreign to a lot of us and to be in that situation, uh, to feel what it's like to be shot, right? Like we, I think you were, you were kind of mentioning that when you got shot in the chest, right? You're like thinking about your heart lungs. Cause you're not familiar with the anatomy. <laughs> and all I'm thinking about is like the movies. I've never like what, you know, what would happen in the movies? Like can you go a little deeper into what, you know, what the feelings were like during that moment? The, you know, were you scared? Were you like just confused? Like what did it like feel like being shot? Like just kind of talk a little bit about that to like really set the scene. Sure, man. And, and hey, first off, uh, you know, I, I just want to say, I think it's really great what you're doing, what you're doing as well. And I think like going through your own unique experiences and using that to create a platform to, I, I think, change the world in a positive way. And you found that purpose, uh, you know, in your own life. I, I think that's amazing. So I, I just want to kind of um, say that. But um, I also probably responded like a little bit of a psychopath. I think going through everything that I went through. So um, as and it's crazy. It's crazy to me even knowing that this is where my brain went. But after I got shot and I'm like on the ground bleeding out, there was never like a oh shit, like I'm I'm, I'm going to die. Like there's a bullet hole in my chest. There's a bullet hole in my leg. Like I'm in trouble, right? it was kind of, I remember the first thing I was thinking about was like, well, you know, this sucks, but like, I'm going to have a little bit of time off work. I can read some of the books I've wanted to read the last little bit. Maybe I take some online courses, like, you know, kind of grow, you know, focus on some personal growth here. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think that, so sorry, right after that, I guess I literally was like, Oh, like shit, actually, you should be thinking about your family, Brandon. Like you might not make it like you should think about the things that are important to you. Um, and, and I think like looking back, uh, I think that's really like a testament to thinking about my family because my parents are the ones who I think instilled a lot of those values in me. Um, but it was also responding in a positive manner, right? So like you have so much adrenaline going, 
you don't really feel the actual sting of the bullets. Like there's no crazy pain or anything. Um, it's more so like a, like a personal mental battle. Right. Um, and in my own mind, there was no way that I wasn't going to make it through. Right. There was no way that I was going to let this be the barrier to my future success in life. Um, or, you know, my future happiness. Right. Um, so that's where like my directive mind was basically sent right from the start. And I think I continued that, um, basically from, you know, I think day three in the hospital, the first two days I had a lot of support and I was also on a lot of pain medication. So I, I really kind of was, uh, you know, a bit of, uh, just a ghost in there for the first couple of days, but, um, that was kind of what the response was like. So I know you hear all different kinds of stories and I've spoken to other people who, who've gotten shot and have responded a lot differently. Um, and you know, in a, in a weird way, I've, I've ended up connecting you. You never expect something like that to happen to, to anybody, you know, mm -hmm. like much less yourself. Right. So especially in Canada, um, obviously you see a lot more incidences. I'm sure there's a lot more people. So like correlation is a little bit different in the States. Um, but you never expect something like that to happen to yourself, obviously. So it's a weird thing to have to respond to. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I don't know, it, it hurt, but I remember like it, it hurt like later so like i think two hours into the night i remember like the, the adrenaline starts to wear off um and i remember my dad is in the hospital with me fortunately with covid rules I, I was allowed one parent um so my dad got to be in there with me and i remember looking at him and just being like man this hurts so much now the adrenaline's gone like the tourniquet is like cut off all blood flow to my leg and he just looks at me he's like that's great news and i'm like what do you mean he's like well, man, if your leg hurts, that means it's still there. And it puts everything in perspective, right? It's like, you know what? I'm going to beat this. I'm going to come through this. I'm going to come through this not only healthy, but I'm going to come through this a better, more matured person, right? And I think once you start understanding that using something like that can be used as not just, a, you know, like, I don't want everyone feeling sorry for me. I can use this as a, a personal growth opportunity that creates a little bit of competitive advantage in my own unique life. Um, and provides me with, I think, uh, a little bit of mental callus, if anything, mm. um, you can really gain a lot from any sort of experience like that. So, you know, there was some shitty parts for sure. But at the end of the day, I had a million positives and, you know, three big negatives. And like the scales were so heavily tipped in the positive, I, I couldn't allow myself to feel feel bad or sorry for myself, even the pain, you know. Um, I, I think another thing I've talked about a little bit in some of my Instagram videos is, uh, when I, the idea for hit the ground running, which I know we'll talk about later came day three in the hospital. Um, and I remember I had a journal and I, I basically wrote down, I was like, get off the pain medication, stop feeling sorry for yourself. You know, like, this is it. You've had your opportunity, um, to feel bad, use this to make a difference for others and find some purpose and value in your own life. And that's going to make everything that you've gone through so worth your while. Right. Um, so I think it was the perspective of anything, if anything, sorry, but I think like the mental component was the biggest thing for me. Right. But it was also, that was all fueled by the support I had around me um, as well. Right. Like, I think that story of my dad is the favorite, my favorite part of the entire experience for me where he was just like, yeah, it's going to hurt. It's not going to be a fun recovery process, but at the end of the day, you're going to be much better for it. And you're also so unbelievably fortunate you know, count your blessings. Don't sit there and, and wallow in self-pity. Um, just take what you've been through, use it to grow and get better. So I think uh, at the end of the day, that was kind of my mindset from the start. But, you know, 
that's uh that that's probably that, that's what it feels like to get shot in uh in a long scale answer mm. because it's not just as easy as like uh it's stung because the mental impact is so much more than yeah. the actual pain of the bullets. It's interesting. Um, and I think there's something to be said. You mentioned journaling, which you know is something I've talked about a lot, but something to be said that you had, you were talking about your family and your support system even before this all happened and how you just had like a baseline, good level of mental health and awareness and all those things and how I think that could be applied to anything in life that if, you know, you have those strong kind of, values and things that you've already like built your life upon that when adversity happens as my fucking computer starts <laughs> all over the place um as something bad happens that you're able to respond like in a way that you did in, in incredibly traumatic circumstances there was a time though like i was i was reading some of your story that's featured on your website that you weren't sure about your leg that that was like a concern at one point and and you know you didn't know if you if you would be able to keep it that's why you what your dad said is such a big thing but yep. also that like the recovery was like from this leg that you know you couldn't even move yeah so you know like i i think uh, the craziest part of that um again i was that's where i say like i was so unbelievably lucky right um and i know going into surgery the night of they didn't tell me too much about that, but I had a sneaky suspicion that that's something that they might consider, right. Would be just chopping my leg and saving my life. If those were the two choices. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I remember the last words I said before going under in surgery was I looked at my doctor. I said, if you have to kill me, kill me, but do every single thing you can to keep my leg. Um, and you know, that's, that's the one area that stressed me out for sure of the night. That was maybe the only component. And I think, you know, it, it's hard to say how you would respond if circumstances were different. And I think um, that's when I say, when I say I was unbelievably fortunate in my recovery process to, to wake up in the next, you know, the next morning in my hospital bed with my own leg still attached to my body. I, I had some pretty wicked scars. Um, you know, my, my leg was like fully sliced down both sides as much as it could be. And then same with my left leg, it was, it was all torn up, but it was there. Right. Um, and that's where I look at, I looked at myself from the start and was like, man, you're so damn lucky. There's so many people don't have the same ability to recover it as you're going to don't waste it. Right. Um, and you know, it's really hard to say how I would have responded if things had gone the opposite. Um, I, I don't know. And I'm sure, you know, I, I like to think as a positive person that I would have responded positively and I, I would have, you know, still continued down the same path that I'm going right now. Um, but I have no idea. I, I really do. Um, or, sorry, I really don't. Um, and, you know, I, I was really lucky. And again, that was one of the factors that, that again, continued to motivate me, I think. Um, and it also gave me a little bit of perspective in the sense that what I want to do with hit the ground running is help all sorts of trauma victims, right? Get to their, their highest level of new normal. And some people aren't going to be as lucky as me. Some people are going to be as lucky as me. I want to help out across the board. Right. Um, and, and so like, uh, yeah, it, it's hard to, to put in perspective for sure. That was my biggest fear for sure. The night of, and you know, that was also my biggest motivating factor <laughs> waking up the next morning and, and coming out of things. Right. Like I couldn't, I had to kind of relearn how to walk. I, I couldn't walk for what I, I think like three weeks, maybe afterwards, I, I couldn't even really move for two weeks, but 
knowing that there was light at the end of the tunnel in the event that I, I pushed myself um, as hard as I could um, was really what kept me going. And I know like, um, you know, in, in my physio, my physio and everything in terms of the actual recovery process, it was way more painful. Like you talk about pain of getting shot. It was a thousand times more painful pushing myself intensely through physio. And it wasn't even close. Like there's my, you know, my physio is telling me to, to bite down on a pillow and basically just hold on for dear life as he bends my leg back into shape, um, from an immobile state. Um, it was much, much more painful, but I know because I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to, to keep my leg, there was nothing I could do. You know, I couldn't complain about it. What was I going to do? Just sit there and, and waste the second chance I'd been given. Um, so, you know, that that's the one area for sure that that was the biggest blessing for me, you know, um, and, and it's allowed me to, to, I think, do some really cool things. Like I'm running now, I'm back to you know relatively normal states. So that was my biggest concern for sure the night of. I know my parents had had kind of come to peace with it. It's funny. I actually talked to my mom about this um, the other day. Uh, and she was say, basically saying, like, we were, we basically accepted the fact that you were probably going to have one leg, but like that you'd be alive. And, you know, they were just kind of happy that I'd be there. So to have, you know, ha have everything kind of stay the same outside of, uh, you know, a, a whole different perspective on life. I, I got so, so damn lucky, man. And, and that's, that's, that's one of the biggest drivers for me. I don't know. Like <laughs> that's, yeah, it, it's wild. So where does this, where does the running come in? Cause obviously you said like how painful recovery was. And I think that's something <laughs> I never even thought about. Um, like when you see people in those recovery videos, you know, you're always happy for them. You're like, yeah, like good for them. We're proud of you. But you know, you just saying that I was like, oh shit, like they're probably in an <laughs> immense amount of pain and like, it's probably the worst thing ever. Um, but where did, were you a runner before? And it's something that you were just like, you know, like my goal is to pick it back up or is it something that was like totally new to you and that <laughs> it, it really like, you're like, that's the goal now. Yeah. So, so I'll give you a twofold answer. And, and the first, I just want to kind of touch on the pain of physio. Uh, you know, I'll give a huge shout out here. Like my, my buddy Francois Duquette was on CERB because he couldn't take his national physio exam after graduating university um, in physio. You know, he's got his master's in physio. So I was basically his summer project. Um, so the timing, you know, selfishly lined up amazing. Mm -hmm. I was able to work with him every day. Um, and I was doing physio once a week with another like a clinic and it didn't really do a whole lot for me. They'd hook you up to a stim, you know, they'd give you like the, they don't want to hurt you treatment. Um, and then working with Frank, he was basically like, I know what your shape was before. I, I know, you know, how competitive you are. And I know that you have a high threshold for pain push, man. And, and that's, I'm so unbelievably fortunate to have had that guy in my life and my recovery process. Um, you know, so, so huge shout out to him there, um, for putting me through that pain. I I'd do it all again. And anyone who's in the same sort of circumstance, I'd recommend it because it's going to suck at the time, but you're going to get so much. I, I blew up my initial timelines by probably eight months wow. um, because of how hard we work together. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of pain, but it's worth it. Um, sorry. What was the second part? Oh, the running. Yeah. Um, yeah. So running was something I did a lot when I was a kid. Uh, never really recently, you know, like 5k, 10k, whatever, but I've never been like a, a big distance runner. Uh, oh, sorry, not never. When I was like 
I don't know, like grade school, I used to run track and stuff and I, I used to be all right at it, but I was never like, you know, a diehard running guy or anything. Um, it's kind of a, kind of boring to run like two hours straight, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, I just kind of saw it as that's the ultimate challenge, right? Like I've got, I've got this leg, you know, I've, I've got a few issues with it for sure. The, the strength is kind of coming back, but my nerves in my right foot are, are basically destroyed. Um, I, I've got like compartment syndrome in the right leg now. So, um, fortunately it's only in like the lower quadrant of my right leg. So it only really impacts the sensation on my foot, which is like, whatever, you know, like if I'm swimming, it feels like I've got no skin. That's kind of weird. But like, other than that, I don't know, like I, I can push through it. So, so um, what is compartment syndrome? What kind of, like, can you just kind of describe that a little? Yeah. So basically the, the way that I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know enough about it. I just kind of right. like, this is what the doctors tell me. Um, but like the bottom right, so your legs broken up into like multiple quadrants and the bottom quadrant of my leg, because the, like the traumatic, the trauma to my right leg was so severe, the blood flow was so heavily impacted. Um, and I guess they, it, it impacted the one quadrant of my leg, like much, much, much more. Um, so there's a couple nerves that are detached from, I don't know, their, their muscles, something. Um, but regardless, all I know is that my foot sense sensitivity is very, very high right now. Um, and the big toe. So when you're running or, or, you know, even walking your foot kind of operates like your big toe is your push off, right? So the extension is really important for kind of like your bounce, everything else in my foot works and my closing in my foot works, but like my big toe doesn't extend. So mm. it kind of messes up my push off of running. So I, I've developed this like massive front calf looking thing. That's actually my, my tibialis anterior is the name of it. Um, that's over, you know, overcompensating right now for my lack of mobility in my toe, which is attached to the nerve function, not working. Um, so again, I, I'm not a doctor. I just, kinda, <laughs> you know, I, I just kind of follow what I'm, I'm being told and uh, we, we try some fun stuff. So like, to try to get some of the nerve sensitivity back or nerve sensation back, we're trying to do this thing called mirror therapy. So I'm taking my left foot and I'm using, I'm putting a mirror in between my feet and I'm covering my right foot with a towel. And then I'm moving my left toe up and down to try to trick my brain into thinking that it's my right toe. Cause I'm staring at the mirror and like, wow. we're trying to like confuse me into thinking that my nerves work. So then my brain will start sending waves down there. It's the whole weird thing. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I can still run. Right. So, yeah. um, like I'm after this, I'm, I'm going to be running 22 kilometers tonight with, uh, with a couple of my buddies. So in the rain, it, wow. Dedication. Oh, it's the rain's great. It's, uh, it's not <laughs> too hot. Um, but yeah, you know, it was also a cool thing too, where it's, you know, for me, from a personal standpoint, I think it was kind of like the ultimate, the ultimate kind of like, fuck you to the, the incident, right? Mm. Like it was, if I can overcome that, like, that's the, you know, that's the best personal goal that I could think of to, to accomplish. And I needed something to push for, I think in my recovery process. And I think for, for finding like self value, like value and purpose hit the ground running is fantastic. Cause I can use what I've done to make a big difference. And then my competitive edge is like, well, you know, we also want to do something physical because we want to push your body to not just recover, but get to the best shape you've ever been. Um, so that's kind of where the running came in. Um, and I'm fortunate to have a good group of guys who, who, who are not only running, but are kind of, you know, excited to, to start running with me. No, uh, no real runners in the group, just all kind of washed up, uh, hockey or other athletes. 
um, who are excited to take on a bit of a new challenge. But uh, yeah, for me, I thought it was one of like the coolest, uh, you know, coolest, I don't know, goals that we could do without really having to uh, stress too much, just have to kind of put our mind to it and, and go. So yeah. it's a lot of fun though. Yeah, no. And running is one of those things where like, you don't need a whole lot. And if you're cool with running in the snow and rain, then you can pretty much do it any time. Right. You, there's, there's not a lot of even, especially with COVID, right? Like if you were like, we're going to lift weights and it's like, all of a sudden we keep going into lockdown because the timing of this, all we have to consider is how, yep. Uh, you know, all the other obstacles of having to deal with the pandemic on top of all this and all the restrictions, you know, that just adds to it. You mentioned day three, you're sitting there in the hospital, you're just kind of coming off the pain medication in some ways, and you're already thinking about, okay, how am I going to use this opportunity to help other people, right? You've already shifted the focus off yourself and you're like, how am I going to like impact people? And you're coming up with this this whole idea for an organization. Like, did you have any experience in this at all beforehand? Uh, and like, just talk to me about creating this, this whole new organization and, you know, the, the mission behind it and, you know, some of the work that you've been doing since it, you developed it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I had no experience before, like I, absolutely none, you know, like my, my background is in like management and sales, um, uh, consulting, that kind of stuff. So definitely far from a, from a not-for-profit, um, you know, a background at least. Um, but, you know, I think I was in a, I don't want to say a dark place because I, I had so much support, um, but a confusing place, right? I think it's probably the best way to put it where you've been thrown like the ultimate curveball in life, right? You, you never expect something like that happen happening to you and in a weird way. Like I'm happy it was me and not someone in my, you know, immediate family or close circle of friends, because it would have hurt. It would have hurt me a lot more not having control over the certain, you know, the situation. Mm. Um, so in that way, I was kind of fortunate and I knew I didn't want to just sit back and, you know, feel sorry for myself. And I needed something to to do during my recovery process that was going to be a passion project for me um, and allow me to use the what should have been the biggest barrier to success and the biggest obstacle in my life in a positive spin to to make difference in the world. Right. And I think at the end of the day, you know, you especially like you kind of like you said, with what you're doing, like the ultimate goal, I think, for most people is to ha- to make their name you know, it means something, right? Like, I don't want to look back when I'm 100 years old and be like, damn, I, I wish I had made the world a better place, but I, I didn't, right? Um, and, you know, I, maybe not everyone's like wired like that. I have no idea. But for me, it gave me a lot of purpose in a really dark time. And, and it helped me, it helped me see some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I'm also, I realized that I was unbelievably fortunate to to have a great team of not just like close friends and family, but a great team of you know, my, my network, I had thousands of people reach out to me. Um, and many of whom, like, I didn't know before who shared their own crazy stories and traumas and experiences with me. Um, a lot of whom don't feel comfortable talking to a lot of other people about them, but they found some kind of trust in me because of what I'd been through. Right. Um, and when you see, when you see how many people struggle with that kind of stuff, on a day-to-day like maybe this is more so like outside of day three day three was just like i want to make a difference Mm. but over the course of time you see how many people struggle with this stuff and how many people are somehow indirectly or directly impacted um, especially by trauma 
you want to make a difference, right? And you see, uh, I saw this as a bit of an opportunity for me to take what I've been through and find some purpose. And I, I think that made me from the start a lot more comfortable going through everything that I've been through. And I mean, one of the biggest things um, that was probably the toughest for me um, and the reason I took, you know, I, I think I took long to get everything started because it's a year out now and here we are. I started things probably three months ago. So eight months after getting shot, um, which some people might say like, isn't long enough to wait. <laughs> um, but, you know, I felt like it took a really long time. And I think a big part of that is because I, I lost comfortability maybe in my own skin a little bit. Like I used mm -hmm. to take uh, like the whole, like, you know, my, my last name Peacock is obviously like a, kind of like a symbol of who I am. Um, and, and I always wore it super proudly, you know, like I had sweaters with my last name on it from hockey, like shirts, whatever that I'd go to the gym in. And I stopped doing that for a while. Cause I was scared. Right. Like I was, I don't know who these people are. Like, what if they want something with me? Like, what if they're, you know, they see me speaking out um, and, and they're not okay with that, all this stuff. Um, and then I realized if I'm able to get my story out there, no matter how scared I am, you know, no matter how fearful I am of the ramifications and I can reach the right people and make a difference in their lives, I could literally die tomorrow and be happy. Right. Um, so it helped me find a lot of purpose, like I said. Um, and I think it also helped me overcome a lot of the PTSD, a lot of the fears that I had associated with my unique circumstance by being able to make a difference in other people's lives. Cause I think that weighs so much more than the fear that I had. Right. So yeah, I mean, that was really what fueled me from the start and moving forward. I think the start was, I, I wanted to find a little bit of purpose and make a difference. And then as we moved forward and I started interacting with a lot more people who had their own unique experiences, um, it really just pushed it over the top and really got me excited to, to move forward with the next steps of what we're doing. And that's what continues to fuel me now, man. Like I wish, you know, I, I wish I could be having on 10 grantees right now, working with supporting them through their unique recovery processes um, right now, if we had the money for it, I'd, I'd love to do it. Right. And that's why I'm, I'm really looking forward for opportunities for growth. Um, because I think we can make a great difference in a, a part of the community that's super, super underfunded right now. And, and they don't get any, it doesn't get any attention either. Right. Um, it's very easy to sweep it under the rug because it's not that common. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a lot more common than you think to, to deal with a lot of these traumas. Um, so, you know, I've got a million reasons why I, I want to do what I'm doing right now, but those are, those are the biggest ones for sure. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how many times you see uh, like GoFundMe's for stuff like this. I mean, especially in the States, but in Canada too, right? Because people like just for everything, for everything in this life, if it doesn't affect you, a lot of people have a really hard time, like just grasping the gravity of everything. It just, it's out of sight, out of mind, just you put your blinders on and everyone's like, well, nothing bad's happening. And that's, it's racism, that's massaging, it's mental illness, it's trauma, all these different things. Um, and just a quick aside, listening, you, you tell that story of, you know, people reaching out to you and how it wanted, you fueled you to make a difference. I mean, like so many parallels with me. That's exactly what happened when I first shared my story is how many people reached out and continue to do so. And it's like, holy shit, like this, this problem is so much more than I could ever imagine. And it's amazing. It's, it, I always say it's, it's, it's like the, the whole kind of like cliche of like, you're not alone. 
Uh, and I'm like, it's it's great. But at the same time, it's like, wow, it really is kind of morbid that we're forming this bond off of like these <laughs> shitty situations. Uh, but it, it, it's true that like we have these bonds and these mutual kind of commonalities between each other. And we form these little communities based on things that we relate and especially bad things that have happened. I it's do hard to truly on... understand if you don't like if you've yeah, never been through something true. like that it, it's, it's hard right so like but in the same breath i think once you go through something like that and sorry i didn't want to cut you off oh, no, there, okay. but <laughs> um but like I, some of like my buddy michael otu now is a guy he he went through his own unique circumstance i, I don't want to touch too much on it because I, I don't know it's it's super public but i don't know what i can and can't say mm. um but he was one of the guys who had his own life altering experience a couple of years ago and i i never knew who he was at that point um i, I knew him through like a couple of mutual friends and that was it and he re reached out to me like day one uh in the hospital after seeing everything that had happened to me and was like a like a role model for me, right? This kid who's a year older than me, who I'm now buddies with, I'm, I'm doing the whole HTGR thing with him because he was such a, a catalyst in my unique recovery and my understanding of what I've been through. So I think creating a network where people who've gone through unique hardships in life can, to, you know, talk about not just like, I, I don't like the idea and it, maybe it sounds a little crude, but like, of like getting together and maybe like wallowing and like feeling sorry for each other. But I liked that he was there and he was like, I've been through this. It's going to suck, man. And like, you know what, you might want to feel bad for yourself some days. Don't allow yourself to channel that fuel that in your recovery process, be open, talk with people. Um, you know, always look for help if you need it, but understand that I'm going to be here for you, whatever you need, because I know how tough it's going to be. And that was one of the most important you know, one of the most important people I met in the entire last year, right? Mm. Um, because he had those same lived experiences. So, you know, shout out O2 if you're watching this. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's it's critical that we're able to kind of form these relationships with people who've gone through unique, you know, like experiences. And that's where I'm, I'm so with you about like talking about all this stuff and, and being so open. I, I think it's so unbelievably important. Um, and I'm really happy that we're trending that direction mm -hmm. in society. I know we're not fully there yet, but I, I think we've seen a lot of positive change um, in the last few years in that regard. So I, I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's peer support. Um, and that's a, a huge growing movement in the mental health community. But I think it's a super crucial for men too. Um, it, it's one thing to open up to a professional, which is great. Always encouraged. It's one thing to open up to your mom or your dad or your, you know, your, your girlfriend, your partner, whoever, but just forming that bond where we create safe spaces for men with men who, who get it and understand it and no shame, no judgment, all that different stuff. Super crucial. And I think is very important as we move forward. I do want to talk just, we've talked about the physical recovery, right? But what was you, you, you said PTSD. That's something I've covered before. And we talked about, and it's very serious. What was the mental recovery like for this? Because this, this whole thing, like you've had a smile on, you're talking about how lucky you are, how positive mindset. I mean, I love that. All that's great. And if that's how it completely worked out for you, like amazing. But, you know, what was like the mentally mental recovery like for you? Were there dark times, bad dreams? Like what kind of happened? <laughs> yeah. So I, the dreams is maybe a funny one. And, the, and then I'll touch on some of the other stuff. So I, I dream super lucid, um, which is a weird thing to go through when you've been shot. So in the hospital, one of the reasons I was, uh, you know, so sedated for the first three days was I was taking my pain meds every time I could get them because they'd knock me out. And in my dreams, it was basically like I was, you know, I was running around 
doing normal stuff. Like it wasn't like I was on the moon or something. It was like, I was just doing normal human things and it was like an escape for me. Right. Mm. Um, so that was a weird kind of, kind of thing that I, I journaled about a lot in my first couple of days. Um, and that was a big catalyst uh, as to why I actually got off my pain meds on day three too, because I, I didn't want to keep escaping reality like that. Um, so I, I wanted to face the, you know, face the harsh reality that it was going to be a long road ahead and I was going to have to sit there and maybe read or, you know, just wither, you know, wait it out till I could start moving again. Um, but I wanted to be present. Um, after that, I had some, some weird dreams too. Um, again, being super lucid with my dreams. Um, like I remember one of them really well, actually, that that happened probably six months out. So it wasn't that recent to the injury. But I like not dream in particular, I remember like there was a, a shooting circumstance, but like I responded well, right? Like in my mind, it was like, you know what? You're in control of the story now. You're in control of the situation. Like these guys are shooting at me and I kind of like ran, hid and fought back, right? And that probably sounds a little bit crazy. Like I'm the, the last guy who's ever gonna, you know, shoot somebody. I'm the last guy who's ever gonna hold any resentment either. Like I, I don't know who shot me. I don't, I don't really give a shit who shot me. Um, I'm sure if you ask my mom and there's some news articles out, maybe she knows, but, uh, I could care less, man. Like I, I don't hold any resentment for these guys. I don't want the book thrown at them. Like, I don't know their stories. I, I don't give a shit. Like I am alive. I've had the opportunity to recover. You don't, I hope you don't put anyone else in harm's way. That, that's all that I care about. Right. I hope that you see what happens and you're like, holy shit, I made a mistake. And I don't know. I have no idea how to respond, but it's not going to do me any good to hold resentment. So, um, I think that's maybe important to address, but the dreams were weird. Um, PTSD was something that, that was very real for me too. Um, and I think I probably approached my PTSD recovery uh, again, like a bit of a psychopath. So it was a little bit different than I, I think most, um, I did a little bit of psychotherapy and I didn't particularly like it. And it wasn't that I don't see value in therapy. I, I really do. Um, like really, really do. And that's a big thing I want to do with hit the ground running is provide those resources for the people who they'll benefit. Um, but I had a really fortunate, you know, wealth of knowledge that I had consumed before psychotherapy through friends of mine who were in the field, um, and book recommendations that I was able to read and learn about my unique PTSD circumstances that I was going to be facing and how to challenge them, right. And how to, to do my best to overcome them. Um, and, you know, feel kind of comfortable in my own skin again, right? So I remember one of the best examples is the end, start of September. So I, I lived with my parents in July and August um, during my recovery. And September 1st, I, I moved out. Um, and I remember going to the gym the first day I moved out, like after seeing my mom all day. Um, and she, you know, she kind of got in my head a little bit where she's talking about, uh, you know, like, be careful with what you're doing, like, make sure your doors are locked, like all these things where like, mm. she she's a little bit scared for me, like she doesn't know, like, it's like her baby leaving the nest, right? Like, her baby almost died, she's gonna do everything to fight for this guy. And now in the back of my head, I remember driving to the gym, and I looked at probably a 1000 cars. And I was like, so fogged, so horrified. Every car I'm looking at, I'm like, this guy's gonna shoot me, this guy's gonna shoot me, you know, mm. it was in another dimension right it's and it was obviously in the back of my head I'm like you're being irrational man like calm down like it's okay like you're gonna be all right um but you can't fight it right it's Mm -hmm. just something that you kind of have to to deal with um and you know at at that point I was obviously very very invested in my recovery as well I was just 
you know, hobbling around. Um, so I, I drive to the gym. I'm not going to miss my gym session because I'm stressed out. Right. Um, it, my time was too, too valuable. Like I have, I have a year to get back to full health. I'm not going to waste a second of it. Um, so I get to the gym. Um, and I just remember, man, like I'm looking at cars, like in the parking lot from the, you know, the, the bike upstairs, like I'm trying to like assess what cars are there. And like, is this a car that looks like from one of the guys who shot me? Like, is this the car? Is this the car? And like, I'm looking at people and anyone who is like, you know, uh, remotely looking at me the wrong way. Like they probably didn't even notice me, mm. but I'm like, like, you know, psychoanalyzing them and I'm all stressed out. Like I'm looking, uh, you know, up, down, left, right, like trying to make sure I'm aware of all my surroundings at all times. Um, and then I started uh, doing what's called emotional emotion or was it emotional? I, I maybe emotional response therapy. I don't know. I started putting myself, Oh, exposure therapy. Sorry. Mm. That's what it's called. Um, and I kind of came home that night in like a panic attack, man. Like I was like, like just like couldn't breathe, like freaking out. Um, and I was like, you know what? like, screw this, man. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I can't live like this for the rest of my life. So I, I did a lot of reading. I read for like two hours and I read about exposure therapy that night. Um, and I went out and I could barely run at this point granted, but I went out for like a two and a half K like hobble, not a jog, but like a hobble at like 1230 at night through like the, the kind of projects of lower town, um, to put myself in a situation that scared the hell out of me at that point. Right. Um, but I did it and then I did it again and then I did it again. And then I got my roommates when I was, uh, you know, not looking to start popping balloons and stuff at me. Um, (laughs) and it, it sketched me out a little bit at first, but then I was like, Holy shit, you're being a little unreasonable, man. Like you, it's okay. Like you're going to be all right. And I needed to see that. Right. I needed to see that these things were making, that were making me uncomfortable were just figments of my mind, right? That had been altered because of what I'd been through. Um, and, you know, I, I know that it's never going to be the same situational response and it's never going to be the same, um, you know, a method of salvation for, for everybody. But that's kind of what would solve things for me, you know? Um, and obviously, with that being said, like, I for sure, my PTSD, I wouldn't say is too, too bad now. And again, that's fingers crossed. I know that's going to be something that somehow stays with me in some, some, you know, some figment for the rest of my life. Um, but it's gotten so much better because I, I faced it head on, you know, and I think, um, you know, I think that was like the biggest thing I could have ever done. It, it would have, it would have continued to cripple me if I hadn't said, you know what, I'm not going to allow myself to live like this. I, I can't, right? And I, I did so much learning about what could make me feel better. And I found one unique solution that did. Um, and I think time also helped heal everything for sure. But it was really just grabbing the bull by the horns, man. And, and like putting yourself in situations that make you feel uncomfortable. And and I'm not someone who, uh, you know, was without some of this stuff before. I, I've had my, my fair battles with depression and anxiety um, as I, I think many do, um, and you know, anxiety still hits me a ton, especially, especially if I drink, man, like if I, if I'm drinking a couple of days in a row, the, the week after is going to be rough. And I think that's a big reason why I've stopped drinking to, you know, I still drink every now and again, don't get me wrong, but, um, to the same extent that I did before, because that anxiety fueled with kind of the PTSD is crippling. Um, so, you know, it, it's been a, 
it's been a unique learning process for me. I think like trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work and, and how to kind of overcome everything. But I think when you factor in the exposure therapy and the fact that, like I said before, I put my name back out there, right? I put myself in a situation that I might not have been at the time comfortable with. But now knowing that I'm doing something bet for the betterment of the overall community and not myself brings me so much, so much happiness. And I, I think purpose and value that it, it supersedes some of these fears that I might've otherwise had, like I said before. So it's been, it's been a strange process for sure. Um, and there's been, there's been some dark times as there's going to be for anybody who goes through something like uh, I've been through. And I know I'm a pretty positive guy and I, I definitely gave that, um, you know, that, that vibe off since probably day one in the hospital, you know, I, I literally woke up and, and kissed my nurse. I was so happy to be alive. Like I've done that, you know, I, it's hard to, to knock this big, uh, big smile off my face, but, um, there's been some struggles for sure. And, and I think it's always really important to address those. And it's really important to understand. It's more important to understand your struggles, I think, than it is to understand your failures. Um, because if you understand your struggles, you can understand, I think, how to, to manage them better and mitigate the, the damage that they have on you. Right. So, um, it was a weird year for sure, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, a, a year out now, man, I I'm so, so damn lucky. Um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people who might not have struggled or kind of struggled, but haven't seen like, I don't know, like the, the spiritual side of it, like the, the, once you get through it and you just kind of like, you see it all so broadly that like the path to recovery, the path of healing, all of that, it's never linear. It's never just like you, you're here and you're, you know, you're just like, okay, now I'm walking, now I'm running, now I have this thing. Right. And it's like, it's all up, right. Like, it's just like a giant wave of ups and downs and moment to moment. Like some people are like, Oh, I have bad days and good days. Like, I'm like, man, sometimes they have like bad minutes and good minutes. Right. Like it just, can, sometimes it just shifts like that. You just walk outside and the sun's hitting you a little differently. It's like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, this is too bad. <laughs> but it's, it's being able to, I think being at your worst, also seeing the best and appreciating that a little bit more. And I want to get yeah, into that, I, little... uh, that. That was the best point, man. Sorry. Again, I, I'm talking so much. I, I, I cut it. you no, off. Like... That's why we have podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but like literally, it's so fulfilling to get to your your lowest point because once you get there every other high that you're gonna have feels so much damn better man it, it really does and I like it, it maybe sounds a little cliche to say but I admire so much people who've gone through all these hardships in life because they're they're the happiest people if you don't face any sort of obstacles or any barriers to you know, um, self-fulfillment over the course of your life, you're, you're never going to be happy, man, ever. I, I think at least I I'm a genuine believer in, in putting yourself in uncomfortable positions and mm -hmm. understanding that you're going to have to struggle. And, and sometimes, man, it, it's going to hurt. And I think, you know, I'd like to think that that wasn't the way, but the happiest I've ever been in my entire life is probably the last year. Um, and that's, you know, in, I was doing eight hour rehab days for three months, right. And it's the happiest I've ever been. Like I, I was just, I wasn't like worried about, you know, what, uh, what Susie was posting on Instagram or what, uh, you know, what, uh, what buddy was doing in NHL 21 or something. Like I was just happy to be in the moment and be alive and, and know that I was still here. Right. Um, 
so so yeah i i don't know again i don't want to cut you off but that's something that i i think is really important to to acknowledge yeah such a good point especially with social media right like it just yeah. your perspective changed and i was gonna ask you know now that you, you, what we just talked about like you you going through this and coming out the other side with this new perspective um people are opening up to you sharing their path to recovery their stories of trauma the things they struggle with you know it just probably opens so many doors for you and, and avenues you've never even thought about what are some of the biggest things you've learned some of the biggest takeaways through your process through hearing about other people's process that maybe have really impacted you in your life yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, you know, I, I've question, learned yeah. I, I've learned so much. It's hard to break it down. I think to just uh, just one thing, but I, I think from a personal standpoint, uh, I, I was always more of maybe like a like a Machiavellian type guy, where I was a little bit cynical on the world. Um, mm. You know, I, I was always very personally optimistic, but I, I had a lot less maybe trust in in people being good than I should have. And from what I've gathered, man, people are, people are people are good so long as you treat them good. Right. Uh, and I think that's one thing that I, I found really cool to learn over the last year that I otherwise probably never, never would have said, right. If you asked two years ago, me, if you asked two years ago, my dad, we, you know, we would have responded the same way. And now we've both kind of maybe turned this new leaf where we've seen the unbelievable good that there is out there. Um, unbelievable good. And I think when it comes to sharing your unique experiences and your stories, um, you know, I'm always happy to listen. Anyone who listen listens to this and is struggling with whatever, like reach out to me. I'm sure you know, reach out to you. Um, yeah, I know you're as willing to talk, but I, it's always so important, man, to have someone in your corner um, and someone who who cares about you. And I think a lot of time people are afraid to to set themselves up in those situations because they don't think people are willing to listen or care. And that's not the case at all. You know, I, I think it's it's really important to to be open, be be trusting, um, be comfortable being vulnerable too, man. You know what? Like if you if you were to talk about your story with depression to you know Joe down the road and he said he didn't give a shit, well, you know, fuck Joe down the road, right? <laughs> like honestly, like uh, you know who who cares about that guy, right? Like that guy, whatever, he's got his own shit going on. Like talk to someone else. Like someone will listen. Someone is gonna be there for you if you put yourself out there enough. And, and I think that's so unbelievably important to know. And, and again, I, I was so damn lucky, man, to have this support system. And I did. Um, and I'm so damn, I'm even more lucky now, I think, to have had the opportunity to talk to so many people who might have been lacking that support system or were fearful of reaching out to the people in their support system. Um, you know, and, and it's difficult. It's difficult to get back to everybody. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. sure with you too, like you have so many people reach out and, and you want to be there for everybody. Um, but try, like be open. I, I think that's like the biggest thing. And, and there's so much more. I mean, I've also learned that the human body can do pretty damn amazing mm. things if you push it. Um, you know, like I said, I, my my initial physio said I wouldn't be able to run until February, 2021. I was running in September, 2020. He said, there's no way I'd ever be able to, you know, get back to as good health as I was before. I'm in a hundred times better health than I was mm -hmm. before. Um, all these things that if you, if you put your mind to something and you really, you know, channel, I think a positive outlook, the possibilities are endless, man. I, I think that, and again, maybe it sounds like maybe it might be a polarizing thing to say, I don't know, but uh, one thing that was really prevalent to my recovery process. And I know something that I was always 
put in my brain a lot as a kid is it's really easy to see yourself as a victim of your circumstances, no matter what that is, right? Like, I, you know, I was never from like a wealthy background. Like I, I know kids who've had all sorts of struggles, man, and it's going to suck for everybody. Everybody's got their own unique problems. Some have more problems, some have less problems. I don't know. But the second you allow yourself to stop moving forward, I think is when you kind of shoot yourself in the foot, right? Like no, no one's as much as I want to be there to support you. I'm going to be there to support as many people as I can, but I can't jump into your skin and, and make a difference in your life. Right. Um, I think like accountability is something that's really important too. And that's something that, again, I, I was super damn lucky to have resources afforded to me um, for free granted. Like I, there's not a chance I would have been able to pay for all the physio that I had over the last year, you know, I probably wouldn't have been able to pay for a week's worth of physio that I had last year. Um, but I had the opportunity to, to work hard and get through it, which is why I wanted, you know, afford others that same opportunity. Mm. Um, but if you have a chance to, to make something of yourself, do it, man. Like it, honestly, I, I think it's, it's, it'll make you the happiest you could ever be. And that's the one thing I've learned. People want, you know, a lot of people, I don't know, people want to see you succeed. And I think that's something that it might be a controversial statement because some, the only people who don't want to see you succeed are the people who are too lazy to do it themselves. Right. And they just want to see everyone else fail. Um, and I, I think people are a lot better than, than they often get credit for. So, you know, uh, it, it's a, it, I've learned so much and, and I'm sure there's like a billion more things I could say. Um, but those are some of the things that I, I definitely, you know, come to mind first for sure. And as a runner, I'm sure you know who like David Goggins is. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's someone who I always look to, at least for pushing yourself physically, where I'm like, man, if that guy can do those ridiculous things, like I can at least like go work out for an hour. Like it's funny. So you, know, you know, Jesse Itzler? Uh, that name sounds very familiar. So, so Itzler does a book. So I actually heard about David Goggins through this guy. He's a part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and he does a book where he hires Goggins to live with him for a month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I know so it's, there's so like my, my favorite author. I, I've actually reached out to him. He was like, I messaged him, I think day four in the hospital. Um, super responsive on his Insta. Like, I'm like, Hey man, like, this is kind of what happened to me. This is what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? Kind of thing. And he's like, dude, I love it. Do it. Like, um, he sent me like a nutrition book for running, like these cool kind of things. Oh, awesome. Like he didn't send it to me. He like, just gave me a recommendation, whatever. I'm, I'm not that famous yet, but, um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I think um, uh, Goggins is a great guy to, to look to um, in the sense that, you know, you don't have to be as hard as Goggins. Like no one's going to be as hard as Goggins. Don't don't ever think you're going to be as hard as Goggins. Um, but just to understand that, you know, sometimes things are going to suck. Like it's that's life, man. I, I've read Goggins book. Like that's all. If you didn't read his book, that's all you need to know from it because it's the, you know, the epitome of it. But um yeah yeah no it's uh like yeah you're right like some you gotta embrace the suck sometime you gotta you gotta just push through um and, and you're right the the people who who don't want to do it um they're the ones who are going to be trying to like bring you back down with them um and there's a lot to be said about that and i understand there's circumstances that that prevent people sometimes i get all that but there is a lot of truth to personal accountability and pushing through um i before i let you go i, I do want to like talk because you've kind of sprinkled it throughout and as a, i haven't been a good host by keeping <laughs> things on track we've been bouncing back and forth but some of the things you want to do with hit the ground running because you mentioned like paying for therapy paying for recovery like 
at the end of the day, what is like the, the main mission and goal and some of the programs you really want to institute for people? Yeah. So, so, Hey, first of all, that's probably some of my fault. I, I love to chat. So I, I probably could have gone for another <laughs> five hours with you here. Um, but yeah, you know, with hit the ground running, um, there's a lot I want to do, but right now, like I got to keep it kind of focused yeah. for sure. Um, so obviously we want to work with grantees in the city. So, uh, you know, sorry, the country, not just the city. We ideally start in Ottawa here as we continue to grow. Um, but I want to be working with trauma victims who have similar mindsets to, I think you and I, right? Like I, I want to work with people who might not have the opportunity to afford the resources to get, sorry, to that next level of success. Um, but are willing to put in the time and the effort if they had those resources, right? Mm -hmm. And I've become very fortunate to make a lot of friends in both the physio and psychotherapy uh, space in the city. So I've got some people I want to work with who I trust at this point, which I think is a, a big thing as well. Um, in the sense that, you know, my first physio was a, a 10 out of 10 dude, but didn't push me to the, you know, the point I was capable of, right? Which ultimately probably would have crippled me for the rest of my life had I never got there. Um, and, you know, if he sees this, you, I, I love the guy. He probably also didn't push me that hard because I told him that I was doing other physio. Um, but I want to to make sure that I'm finding like motivated people who who have gone through a hardship in life. And I want to guide them through that path to recovery um, in the same way that I had people there kind of holding holding my hand a little bit, too. Right. Um, from the start, who were, you know, as a mentor, like it's something that is it's like every facet of life. Right if you go through something and you don't know how to do it and it's foreign to you, it's horrifying. It's, it's scary. Right. Um, but with hit the ground running, I want to be able to a provide the resources to these people. That's the most important thing, but B kind of provide them a little bit of mentorship too. Right. Whether that's me or like, whether that's the point we grow to a big enough space where we can create a network of mentors within the group. who have all been through their own unique circumstances. Right. Um, and I know with this project, obviously being my, my child now, um, I'll definitely want to be, uh, you know, heading the, the front um, when we start it, when we get our first grantee or second grantee, third grantee, and, and, you know, doing updates with these people and even going into physio with these guys, like literally just seeing what it's about and kind of coaching them through and, and offering them that like big brother role a little bit. Um, but I just, you know, I, I understand how challenging it can be to go through such a life altering circumstance, right? Um, and I want to it's not a space that's funded very well right now. There, there's very little. There was a, a victim support program in place that was taken out by the Ford government, I believe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was Ford or the guy before. So, you know, I won't throw any any slander um, or anything. I, I believe it was Ford, though. Uh, you know, I, I got a bit of a, a beef with that guy over the last mm. year. Um, but you know what? I was also in recovery the last year. So, like, benefit of getting shot is that like I didn't even have to worry about going out I was <laughs> I, I was locked up anyways um, but but yeah you know like they used to have a program in place that was like a victim assistance um, support program that could offer you you know 10 to 15k for your recovery process um, and like psychotherapy and that kind of stuff and I know you know a lot of people's insurance providers will cover x amount um, my insurance after the first two months. So this was only in September when I was barely even remotely recovered because I had once a week physio through, well, sorry, I was recovered, but had I been doing their physio, I wouldn't be recovered. Mm -hmm. um, they were sending me to physio once a week till September where they agreed to send me like twice a week, 
you know, and their purpose was to get me functional enough to sit at a desk again. Like, what the hell good is that going to do me in 20 years when I can't walk, but I, you know, at least I can sit at a desk. What's that gonna, what good is that going to do me in two years, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a slug for the rest of my life who, who can't really find any joy. Um, so I want to work with these, you know, these people who are willing to put in that work to get to that extra level and get back to their new 100%, right? Whether that's like me, I think my new 100% is probably like 95% of where I was before because I I lost the, you know, the function of part of my right foot. Um, but probably 98%. It's not that big of a deal. Fortunately, mm-hmm. it just kind of sucks. It hurts a little bit more sometimes. But, um, you know, I want to provide the opportunity for these people to, to get to that next level. Um, and, you know, I, I think the mentorship is also a big thing. Um, like I said, there's so much I want to do with it. I want to create a, I want to create a platform where people can talk about this stuff too. Right. I think one of the ultimate goals is I would like to be able to bring other, you know, other trauma victims as or trauma survivors. Sorry. Um, I, I hate, again, I hate the, the word victim. I, I, you know, I get the the importance of it, but I think it takes away a little bit from these guys who've survived like the hardest fucking thing they'll ever go through. Right. Um, but yeah, so like trauma survivors and then psychotherapists, physiotherapists, I want to create a space where they're all able to kind of like talk, right. And connect. And you're able to, to kind of fuel your unique response based on these people who understand what you're going through. So I want to have, especially I've got a few psychotherapists in mind who are great as well as a few physiotherapists who I want to like set up chats with. Um, and then I want to work in a community where I, I bring, you know, I kind of end the stigma maybe around being scared to talk about your own traumatic circumstances, right. And create like an open and positive space where people can connect with others who, you know, who, who, who are, and who aren't struggling with like some people I just know are going to be there to want to support these people and help them through. Like I said, there's a lot of good people out there and some people have their own lived experiences who can connect with you as well. So um, you know, that, that's kind of the, the overline of what I want to do, hit the ground running there. There's again, like everything I've talked about today is so much more than I, I'm sure we could, we could talk about with it, but that's, uh, you know, the biggest thing. And for anyone listening uh, at HTGR Canada is our TikTok and our Instagram. Um, all the, you know, all the follows, likes, all that stuff is great support for us. It, it helps us secure, you know, sponsorships from, uh, major corporations and stuff, which fund us, right? Like that's how we're going to be able to help all these people. So, um, donate if you can we always appreciate it or just simply give us a, a like follow on instagram whatever it, it all helps us out at the end of the day so um you know yeah yeah no um i i've said it a million times on this podcast but i'm just i'm always so thankful there are people like you who use these moments and then create something from it that like fills that hole or creates that space for people who, who really need it because so many times I'm on social media too much. I'm hyper online mm-hmm. and like people are always just waiting for the government to do things. And it's like, yes, we should be advocating and pushing government to create policy changes and all this stuff. But until we can, as we do that, we need people like you, like some other of my past guests who, who create it and go all in and, and work their ass off to help these people who really, really need it. So kudos to you. You have an event coming up. Uh, as we record this, we're in July. So if you're listening any time between now and September, it's coming up. You can register. Uh, yeah, so, so we got our, our, yeah, so we got our virtual run uh, coming September 19th to 26th. So we're, we're going to allow people to run throughout the entire week. 
basically we're opening up a full marathon, half marathon, a 10K, a 5K, and then just kind of like a 1K, like fun run. Like, you know, some of my buddies are going to get a case of beer and just walk a kilometer. I mean, <laughs> it's just kind of an excuse to, to get out there, support a great cause, um, you know, and have some fun, right? I think what's really cool about it for me is that I've had so many people who otherwise would not have been running or doing this stuff who were like, you know what, I'm on board. I'm And, you know, a month later, they're telling me they're like, I'm in the best shape of my life. I feel great. I'm active. I have an excuse to get outside and someone's holding me accountable because I've got this run coming up in September. So mm -hmm. yeah, if you're looking to support a great cause um, and have some fun doing it, definitely uh, join up on our run. I, our website's www.htgrcanada.com. Uh, check it out. I think it's uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, man, this was, this is great. Um, kudos for remaining positive and everything you've been through and, and coming on here and sharing this story uh, super important, um, and super, I think validating for a lot of people as well. Um, what are some of your social handles? Uh, just so people are aware, I know I'm going to include in the, in the, the bio of the episode, but just, as you said, TikTok, Instagram. Yeah. Like I said, I, you know, I, my personal is, is peacock underscore Brandon on Instagram. I, I don't have TikTok. All my TikTok is on uh, HTGR Canada. So, um, I'm barely learning how to use that platform, but I've got a good team around me. Who's, uh, who's helping me out. So, um, yeah, H at HTGR Canada is both our TikTok and our Instagram handle. Check us out there. Uh, we, we have Facebook and LinkedIn pages too, but honestly, like I don't, we, For they're not people. very used. Yeah. Like there, <laughs> there's something we probably should use a little bit more, but, uh, you know, we don't, but yeah, like I said, give us, give us a follow, give us some likes to, you know, stay in touch with us on there. Um, if you want to support the cause in some way, cause it, it, I know it often goes overlooked, but it's so important for us to, to grow that social platform um, to secure sponsorship. And I know it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something that I'm, it's a whole learning curve for me. I'm definitely not a huge uh, social media guy per se, but I'm definitely uh, trying to grow the brand through it. So if you could help us out, uh, we really appreciate that always. Beauty. Well, yeah, again, thank you. This was awesome. And I appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It was good chatting with you. Take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.